Good morning. Thank you for being with us today. You're listening to An Artist Speaks, presented by Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Contemporary Art Gallery Online represents tomorrow's art giants today. Come visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and there you can view and purchase great works of contemporary art, check out our monthly art competitions and exhibitions, our blog and newsletter, view videos of our artist's work, and even listen to artist interviews from this show. Today, our guest is Anthony Dahlman Jones. Anthony's paintings are dramatic and colorful. His light sculptures are like no other. His light rate photographs, which is a copyright term, are brilliant colors derived from background close-ups of his light sculptures. Contrast, drama, color in his art arouse the viewer in the same manner he was possessed when creating it. Well, good morning, Anthony, and welcome to An Artist Speaks. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, it's our pleasure to have you, and let's start off this morning by having you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself, Anthony. Well, to tell you the truth, I hate that question because I could go on for like four hours and bore people to death. I'll just say <laughs> um, I, I started in a, in a very... Um, uh, well, let's just say not admirable way. I was um, chasing a girlfriend into college, and she was an art major. And I wound up, um, I'd been in the um, literary arts. I'd uh, done a lot of writing and poetry and so forth um, up till then. Mm-hmm. Nothing published, of course, because I was like 19 years old. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I was fascinated with the ceramic studio there. And um, she said, oh, it's very difficult. And me and my ego, I said, ah, I can't be that hard. And she said, oh, throw it on the wheel is very <laughs> difficult. I said, oh, I can't be that hard. And, um, well, I'll just say it is hard, but it was fascinating. <laughs> and so I first started off in ceramics and, um, and you know, typical on the wheel, perfect pots, and then moved to um, much more organic. I think this is really where my true journey started is because I got into organic mm-hmm. kind of forms, uh, free forms of pottery, cutting slabs and putting them together as fast as possible to get rid of um, what I consider to be my enemy, which was my conscious mind, which kept trying to arrange everything and make it basically something you could buy, you know, at Walmart. And Mm -hmm. um, so by working fast, uh, things came out rather uh, stupendous, actually. And now shelve that and then move forward until I started painting um, probably 20 years ago. started with watercolors, absolute disaster. I still don't understand how anybody can do great work in watercolor. I admire it. Because mine just looks like something out of kindergarten, but um, uh, but I quickly moved into um, oil paints. Didn't like the stink, and I moved into acrylics when they showed up. And then I found my home in painting. And uh, so I just followed that on up till we'll go back a few years when um, who, my son, who is a natural artist, can paint anything, um, and I opened an art gallery in Madison, Wisconsin. And um, that would have been uh, about 2005, I think. And um, mm-hmm. mainly I was interested in his uh, showcasing his work because it's just really something. And, um, and of course, I had my work, and I represented 43 other artists. And my main goal was, besides showcasing his work, was to um, support other artists because I know what it's like um, to be an artist and want to just, quote, do art and not have to mess with that um, nasty retail stuff, you know? So, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I sympathized with that. And um, 
and the thought of it as a service. But uh, the third part of the whole thing was that I knew I'd have a whole lot of free time being there at the gallery. Um, you know, it's not like Walmart. You get like one or two people an hour in a gallery during the week, uh, uh, weekdays sometimes. Well, I was wrong, of course. I never had any free time, but um, my illusion was um, that I would have free time and I would just paint great things. And um, then I discovered um, that this this is really it's, – it's amazing to me today, Mike, to tell this story. I was um, – there was um, – I teach at uh, Marion University in uh, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, which is where I am right now, and the snow is melting finally. Um, <laughs> and uh, a nun uh, who's a well-known, actually, watercolor artist, uh, her stuff was going for three, dollars $4,000 a, um, a piece, uh, announced she was retiring and had a bunch of art supplies she was getting rid of and did we want to come out and she and um, she knew myself and two other artists we'd started a co-op here in town in an old casket um, company building um, used to build caskets there and we, it was abandoned and we restored it into a co-op and uh, she called us and said do you interested in buying any of my stuff and so we went out there well I never made it past the lobby because um, I noticed this thing up on the wall and it was some colored lights um, showing on the wall. It was in the daytime too. So I was just like stunned and um, people came back and said, um, Tony, are you coming? And I said, what? And they said, you've been, you, we, we haven't found you for 15 minutes. And I mean, this is really a, a, almost a metaphysical experience. I was just standing there entranced by this, this incredible pieces of glass up on the wall with these brilliant colors coming out spewing across the, the wall. And that became a five-year search to be able to know, learn how to do that. Uh, a long and boring search, just look for the right brackets, just to find the right glass, get, get a cut, learn how to drill glass. I mean, it just went on and on and on and on. On the side of that, um, I had developed a huge passion for abstract painting, just tremendous. Um, I couldn't explain it. And I started doing a lot of uh, drip paintings. I didn't know anything about Jackson Pollock. I never studied the arts, so to speak. So I was just doing some really free-form stuff, putting the canvas on the floor and um, just doing all kinds of wild stuff. Um, and thank goodness it was an abandoned factory because you could get away with you know, spewing paint here and there, and nobody cared. And somebody came in and said, oh, my God, it's just like Jackson Pollock. Well, no artist wants to hear some, you know, oh, that's just like so-and-so. I mean, that's really an insult. Right. And I said, who the hell is Jackson Pollock? And they said, you don't know who Jackson Pollock is? I said, I don't, I don't study the arts. I just do them, you know. And um, mm-hmm. so then I started studying Jackson Pollock. And um, I thought, oh, I'm going to have some great uh, resonating spiritual experience when I start looking at his work and so forth. I didn't. I, n- I never felt like well, I was Jackson Pollock reincarnated or anything, even though our work was a lot alike. Um, and I'm, I'm putting time in on this, Mike, because this was the start of my abstract, really, growth in abstract painting. And um, But what I did uh, get was I understood him. I understood Jackson Pollock. I understood him very well. So I probably have the largest collection of books and, and videos on Jackson Pollock um, around. Um, went to New York, um, to Guggenheim uh, and MoMA and so forth, and studied his work. Um, not to replicate it, just to enjoy it. It's, you know, and I, 
it sounds corny, but I was standing there in front of 41 and, and crying in the moment. I was embarrassing people walking by, oh, that poor man, he's just, you know, depressed or something. But I was exhilarated. <laughs> so um, then I began doing other forms. You, know, you can't go to MoMA, uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art, without being inspired by everybody. You know, I mean, it's just uh, you want to come back and do something that looks like Stills work and you want to come back and do something you know, that looks like Newman's work and, and you just want to try it all because it's so moving. And, and some of that work is massive. You, you don't realize how big it is. Mm-hmm. God, some of that stuff is like 30 feet long and 12 feet high and it just overwhelms you and changes you. So um, that shot me off into these two veins, uh, Mike, where I'm doing abstract painting and I'm doing, you know, light sculptures, which involves um, a special kind of glass that has a metallic um, uh, coating on it. And that splits light in half into two colors as well. And it reflects one color and, and lets another color come out on the other side. So I think that's called reflection and refraction or something like that. And then by catching a light beam, because um, it all starts with a single white light beam, a focused white light beam, I use LED lamps that have been modified, only four or five watts. And um, you kind of catch the light beam and glance it off another piece of glass, which changes its color again and again and again. And you wind up composing this. Um, just Let's just say you're painting with light as if it were swashes of paint, you know. So what you've got, like, red light and green light and so forth. And you're mixing them and matching them and changing shapes and colors by angling the glass until you find something that's just overwhelming. Um, one of my favorite words was abstract art. And um, so I, I just got into that. And then one day, I'm kind of giving you a background here of, of kind of like the groundwork out of where I've come from and where I am today. And then one day, and this wasn't too long ago, like three years ago, I'm I'm like taking some camera shots of my lab, you know, in my um, – art lab where I'm setting up these pieces of glass and uh, just for fun I started doing some close-ups you know because the patterns and uh, on a perfectly white background are just fascinating and uh, I realized that these would make astounding uh, photographs so that's what I that's where the lightweight photographs came from and uh, so they're actually like areas like three inches by five inches but then blown up into mm-hmm. like 30 inches by 40 inches photographs and, you know, they're standalone art in and of themselves. And they're pretty dramatic because a lot of, uh, well, it's not always bright colors, but uh, wonderful colors. So that has been my emphasis for the last um, a decade has been abstract painting and, um, and then light ray sculptures and light ray photography. And then along comes your organization and says, we're having a little contest and they're doing uh, cityscapes. And I thought, oh, man, I love to do cityscapes. I've done those as kind of a hobby on the side. There's just something magical about a skyline of the big city mm-hmm. and the lighting and, and everything. And I've, I've done a lot as for friends, as gifts, like Christmas gifts and so forth, little ones and big ones. And uh, and being in Madison, um, which is uh, the state capital. We were four doors from the state capital, our gallery. And it's on an isthmus, which is like a little uh, hill, and then there are lakes on either side. And you could go across like Lake Monona 
and take pictures at night of the state capitol and the buildings outlined, and they were just very dramatic and reflections in the water. And I started painting those a lot and photographing them a lot and altering the photographs. So that just kind of brought me um, to where I am today in terms of, well, what kind of work are you doing today? That kind of question. Those are the things I've been doing. Kind of the cityscapes on the side as a hobby, along with some uh, kind of pontialistic stuff I'm experimenting with. And then, and people would have to see this uh, on the website. I've been doing <laughs> a strange thing uh, called 3D uh, paintings, which is um, it's a cross between canvas sculptures and 3D canvas painting. And I do pieces of canvas that then I attach to a base. I hang it upside down so gravity uh, plays a role. And then I paint them upside down, and then they stiffen up, and then you turn them right side up, and they look like, uh, well, stalactites or, you know, a, a rose or uh, something, some alien-looking flowers. I've been experimenting with that as a hobby, too. And um, so that's where I am today. Well, Anthony, you certainly uh, are involved in a lot of different types of art. I was finding the, the light sculptures quite interesting. Now, that's just one, you're using just one beam of light in making those sculptures? Yes, sir. Um, that's, you know, part of the science of it. Um, I mean, you can you can do it with more than one beam, but one, one beam, mm-hmm. uh, two beams, the second beam is going to wash out the effects of the first beam unless mm-hmm. you... Um, you know, have them very narrow focus and you have them distance from each other. So I do light sculptures in three forms. I I, uh, I can mount them on the... Think of the, uh, the glasses like a shark's fin sticking out of the wall. Mm-hmm. So the glass is usually perpendicular. And these are pieces that are anywhere from six inches um, uh, wide to, you know, an inch and a half wide, uh, various sizes, because what changes the shape of the light is the shape of the glass, the angle of the glass, mm-hmm. and um, the uh, obviously the mixture of the uh, light and glass combinations changes things. So I can install, the, the most expensive ones have to be installed right on the wall. I mean, they're bolted, uh, which uh, the glass is bolted to the wall, high up, obviously. And one light beam, uh, Usually the lamp is painted to match the wall, so it's fairly neat. And it's on a little island by itself. Shines uh, from three to five feet away uh, into the center of this glass, and then which has all been carefully, um, you know, positioned to catch the light, mm-hmm. the light and do the maximum amount of impact. Um, that's one form, and, you know, that's rather permanent uh, um, when you put that up. Another form... Um, I, put, I have a platform that I, I've built. Um, I, w- I think they're like 30 inches by um, um, 25, something like 30 by 25. They're about three-quarter inch uh, laminated wood and then beveled on the edges to um, to stop from breaking up the light too much. And then the light is, uh, the glass is mounted on there, and that's permanently bolted onto the wood. And then the lamp is on a separate little island, probably only about six inches square. And so they're both just hung on the wall. So the big piece of wood, which is very heavy, uh, to keep it from warping and to keep it from, you know, make sure everything's fastened very securely. Because just to change one piece of glass by a quarter inch will change the whole pattern. Um, so it's just hung like a medicine cabinet, just hanging on the wall, and then you hang a light, and you – I had a special brackets um, manufactured at a metal company 
um, that hold the lamps and allow me to move, position them and lock them into place. And then, so that kind of hangs up on the wall. And then the third form is I use a shadow box uh, that I construct about six inches deep and they can be any size. They can be, you know, 30 inches by 40 inches. Uh, One I have now is about that size. And so the light is actually inside the box down in the corner and then the glass is Mm -hmm. mounted in the middle. So it looks like a big shadow box frame with this, colored glass in the middle and then and so that's your canvas is inside the box a white background and all the light is cast around inside there and angles such that it doesn't splash up on the sides so it's a small you know light painting um, light sculpture I'm sorry and um, so yeah three different forms of those I played with I can't think of any other forms where I'd be doing it just (laughs) for fun I've got a show coming up here pretty soon and I'm trying to think of something. Oh, well, I guess there is another form. I have made mobiles out of them, you know, the pieces of glass and then uh, sunlight, mm-hmm. um, using sunlight. But um, I, I don't know. That's not my favorite. Well, that's fascinating. Uh, it certainly is a different form. Now, you want to share uh, your website uh, with the audience so they can see some of this uh, interesting art? Yeah. That would be helpful because, you know, you don't describe so much. It's uh, Anthony D. Jones. is just A-N-T-H-O-N-Y, um, letter D uh, is in dog, and then J-O-N-E-S dot com, Anthony D. Jones dot com. And they can, uh, I've got literary arts on there. I guess <laughs> somebody designed it. I can't remember who. Uh, a couple of doorways. you got a literary arts door and you got a visual arts door. And you go in and, and then you can see the different, uh, some of my paintings, light sculptures, canvas sculptures, and so forth. That's the best way to really get a, a grasp of it. Um, I can just tell you this without, I'm not bragging, but when I had my first show um, with light sculptures in um, uh, Marco Island, um, I was part of an art- artist co-op, uh, I helped start on Marco Island. And um, we set up a dark room and um, nobody had ever seen these before. And um, people would come around the corner and I would say 95 or 97 out of a hundred would just exclaim, wow, that it would just burst out. And the others would say something I'm not going to repeat on the air, but it was a positive <laughs> uh, expletive. <laughs> because it's that, it, yeah, it, it's very hard to sell these on the web because you just can't get the drama of these things right. unless you see them in person. Yeah. And yet doing a show is a big pain in the rear because you got to traipse around, you got to mount all the stuff that takes uh, – you know, people like to hang a show in one night. Well, you aren't going to hang a light sculpture show in one night. Yeah, <laughs> and that takes a little while, I bet. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's uh, if they would go look at it, they would get uh, well. They'll see the light ray photographs as well. But um, but to me, you know, I look back on this and I go, "What?" I mean, I interview myself, Michael. Um, I say, "What?" what? Because I'm an impatient uh, person, I'm a, I'm a kind of a hyper person. I'd like to be busy, and I've been known to hop around and, and do different things. Um, you know, jack of all trades kind of thing for part of my life. And I go, well, what? I mean, I stuck. I I spent two years looking for a bracket. I spent two years looking for the right mm-hmm. fastener to hold the, the like the glass to the bracket. I spent. Um, probably three years developing the metal brackets that hold the lamps um, that would allow the cord to go in and allow the angles and so forth and lock everything in place and not look too ugly. Um, and 
I don't have that. I'm I'm asking myself, where did you get that patience from? And it, it I only have one answer, which is when people say, when I ran a gallery, people would come in and they go, well, I hear all these discussions about what is art, you know, <laughs> you know, all kind of academic discussion. Well, what is art, you know? And I, I said, it's, it's passion. It's just one word to describe art: passion. Mm-hmm. It's just coming out in different formats. But if there's no, if an artist is just doing commercial stuff. And I won't name a couple that are very famous. It's very obvious there's no passion in that work. It's just commercial. Let's make some money, and we're hot, and we're we're collectible right now. But true art to me, when I see real art, I can feel the passion in it, which is my goal when I do stuff. I want I want to see my own passion coming through to the viewer. And if it doesn't elicit some kind of response uh, from a person, an emotional response, then that interaction between me and that particular viewer has failed. But, you know, on the other hand, another interesting story, son and I were doing a father-son show and um, setting it up in uh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And uh, so we're sorting through our work, saying, what are you going to take? What are you not going to take? And I, I, I said, I'm not taking this. He said, why aren't you taking those two pieces? I said, ah, they stink. And he said, no, he said, you should take those. Well, Mike, guess which two pieces I sold at the show? Exactly right. The ones that I wasn't going to take that I didn't like. Right. And the, none of the rest sold. I'm like, I can't believe it. But that's a good, that's my point is mm-hmm. some things just resonate with people. You know, right. people look at abstract art and they go, what is it? You know, and I said, well, you, if you have to ask, you know, what is it? Or people go, I see a horse in there. I go, you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Well, who put a damn horse in my painting? <laughs> <laughs> It's not about that. It's about does it resonate with you? Do you feel something? If not, it's not your artwork. It's not for you. You know, yeah. just move on to the next you know piece in the gallery. Just keep moving, and mm-hmm. and something will grab you. And that's when you know you found your avenue of expression between the artist and the spectator or the collector or whatever you want to call the client. That's right. to me. It's just kind of a, a sorting through and a grabbing kind of thing. This one grabs me, that one doesn't. And then you know you made a relationship with that person, which is what my goal is as an artist. Well, that is so true. Uh, and you're right about passion. Uh, there's certainly there's certainly artists out there and that are very successful, but, you know, I would agree with you. I'm not sure that their passion is probably more tied to something green. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you know we got to make room for everything, but but um, yeah. I'm I'm one of those um, um you know kind of base kind of artists that that wants to you know feel something and 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 I mean my pottery that's why I love the pottery work I eventually evolved to though God it was grotesque for some people to look at um, it was so earthy and uh, you know uh, unbalanced and um, non-symmetrical and um, you know, uh, surfaces were rough and uh, a lot of texture. I'm big into texture, by the way. I went through a series of abstract paintings I call the Luscious Series, where I piled up paint, probably three-quarters of an inch thick. And uh, very popular, that those paintings are. Very popular. People love those. Um, and uh, But anyway, I think the, the time, in, as I said, in the ceramics thing, um, I realized at that moment what art was to me, and it was about feelings. And and it was about some kind, some grabbing you somewhere, 
um, that nothing else can, you know, usually, you know, usually it's only art that can do that. And I've gotten law. I mean, I did a, a, a drip painting 24 feet long, five feet high, um, seven, eight hours. I didn't even know any time had passed. I was working on it. I'm just totally lost. And as I understood Pollock, you know, if you, <laughs> and he's a troubled guy, but I think when he was painting, he was in his nirvana, you know, Mm-hmm. That was the only place I think he found real, real peace, and and joy and passion. Just my guess. I think you're right, and I think there's there's been a lot of painters in the past, and there's painters in the present that uh, struggle with different different things in their lives, and painting or the arts, whether it's painting or any other type of art, is where they they do lose themselves, if you will, and, and can find some peace and they can lose the, not themselves, but they lose their consciousness about whatever is going on and their focus just on doing the art and they find some peace. Well, right. I think um, it, it takes you out of yourself. Well, it takes you into a new, another self that's uh, not uh, mm-hmm. uh, caught up in the mundane and uh, I, I call it the worry machine. You know, how am I going to pay the rent this month? How am I going to pay the rent this <laughs> month? Uh, um uh, or, the, or, you know, is my girlfriend really fooling around on me or whatever? It's just uh, for a while, it's just you and your art, and there's a purity in that. I mean, I don't mean to sound hokey here because uh, it's not. Um, and and to me, it's a – I mean, I can remember – I mean, like my listening to music, I mean, I'm not feeling anything, you know. I mean, maybe I'm bored. Maybe I'm not feeling real good. Maybe I'm feeling uh, worried or anxious or something. I hear a song come on. And my spirits change, okay? And I can remember mm-hmm. driving along going, and I, you know, I'm tapping my phone going, yeah, man, rocking out. And I'm going, what is that? I would just stop in this, like, uh, real uh, academic moment. I go, what the heck is that? What is that in music that makes me, that just shifts me 180 degrees, mm-hmm. you know, in another zone somewhere? I mean, I don't understand that kind of power that, that a, a song you've even heard 30 times can just lift you up and transport you somewhere. I really don't know how that happens, but it's the same thing in art. I don't know how that happens, but I know it does happen. Mm-hmm. And I know that's re- right. if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't mess around with art. I wouldn't have anything to do with it, you know. <laughs> Maybe it's a commercial enterprise. You go, oh, I can make a few bucks making these prints, you know, or something, pay the rent. But, um, but the real reason, you know, is because it it lifts you out of a dimension and puts you in another one that, well, obviously you want to be in or you want to do it. And, Anthony, let's talk about uh, – we're starting to get towards the end of the show, and I do want to talk about uh, a couple of pieces of the art that you had submitted into the competition. And the theme was Cityscape, and which is also the title of one of your pieces. Tell us, if you will, about Cityscape. I like um... – I didn't know what the word was. I liked uh, paints that had uh, – um, well, the reason I was drawn to uh, light sculptures was because of dichroic glass, which has an, uh, a sheen to it, which I later learned. I never messed around with it. You know, all my paintings were pretty basic. Yeah, let's use some blue and some green, <laughs> some yellow. <laughs> <laughs> and the word iridescent had never come to me. I was fascinated with uh, – I'm a biology student originally with with, with – uh, Butterfly wings, they're iridescent. I was fascinated. I used to wear opal jewelry. Men don't wear opal jewelry, but I loved opals because of that kind of sheen they have uh, in them. I was fascinated with them. 
with that. So when I discovered iridescent paints and, you know, and sparkle paints and all those kinds of things, and then I started mm-hmm. uh, taking kind of my light ray uh, work and trying to transpose that into paint, um, the cityscapes were just uh, an absolute perfect medium because you got all of this. I think the first one I ever did was like at Christmas time. It's like being across the lake from a, a river, a black river, you know, at night during Christmas season. And and it's the, and you can see across the water, and you can see all the Christmas lights, you know, and the streets are all decorated, and there's reds and greens and blues, little sparkles everywhere, and up the buildings and down. It's just magical land, you know. It's better than Disney. And um, and it, it, the whole city, without getting together in a meeting, saying, well, I'm going to put up orange lights and you put up red ones, has created this composite uh, you, you can't duplicate it anywhere. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't make it happen. I mean, it's like the purest form of art. Is my granddaughter coming home from kindergarten, so proud of her painting, and it's a house <laughs> where the roof doesn't mm-hmm. quite cut down on one side of the roof, and and the cat is like <laughs> the cat's <laughs> like a, a skunk or something, and. And the people got little thick legs, and the sun has all these little yellow spikes sticking out of it. And it was just perfect, you know, and her name's like printed and all up and down. The letters aren't lined up. And I'm like, God, that should be framed. And, you know, it's just gorgeous because it's so pure. And to me, the lights coming across from the city, the light behind the buildings and everything, it's just an accident that you can't duplicate and so it just comes together and yet and yet there's all this technology and all the lighting and all the buildings and the concrete and everything and yet there's this incredible art form that derives from it so i first started painting them they all the buildings always had to be across from water because i wanted to do the reflections in the water with the iridescent paints and mm-hmm. uh, you know and the moon and the stars and so forth so um, those are the first ones I did. I did little ones like ACO cards, you know, and gave them away as gifts for Christmas. And, uh, it was nice to be at your mother-in-law's house and to see she has one framed on, on her wall. And she didn't, you can tell she didn't put it up just before you got there. And um, <laughs> and the one that I entered in uh, in the exhibit there, CGE, was um, one of New York City with uh, its sunset with orange behind the buildings and then um, um, blue uh, deepening to black as you went up. And then I use a lot of sparkling for stars and then I use a lot of iridescence and colored lights along the street line and reflecting in the water. Um, it's just colorful and, and yet a certain kind of uh, nostalgia about it. You know, if you ever live in a big city, you know, you can get caught up in the grime and the traffic and everything. And then in other ways, you're just like infatuated with it. Right especially from a distance when you're flying in. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then uh, you did one of your Lyrae photography pieces, Metro Cityscape. Tell us about that one. That is an actual photograph of Madison, Wisconsin, the state capital. Um, and again, I'm into Sheen's and, uh, you know, I guess if somebody said, what are your two aspects of art that fascinate you? I go Sheen's and textures, you know. Um, and um, so I saw this uh, opportunity. So I went across, drove around the lake and uh, took a couple snapshots of uh, photographs at night of the Capitol. And there must have been some fog in the air or something because there was little, the light from the city was shooting up through the fog and creating rays mm-hmm. up into the air. 
almost like there was some kind of weird spotlights over there, but they weren't. They were just the lights mm-hmm. on the city but all shining up into the into the atmosphere. Uh, so there must have been some kind of a little bit of clouds or something there that was catching it all and dispersing it. And uh, so then I took that photograph, and then I came back, and I started messing with it um, with some of my uh, programs to bring some uh, metallic to it. I want to do a metallic one. So then I sent it off. Uh, people do my work in Germany, do my photographs from Germany, and they were able to um, take this photograph and put a metallic finish to it. Uh, it's from a coat of, um, a coat of color metallic sheen. And then um, I think that was mounted on aluminum, um, and that's all. That was entered in the contest as well. I don't think it came in anywhere in the top three, but you know. It, it, and again, it's one of those things, uh, Mike. If you can't see, you can't capture metallic sheen in a photograph. It's one of those pieces you have to see in person, or you're not going to see the metallic sheen. You just can't. I don't know why you can't capture that in a photograph, but you can. <laughs> well, at least I. Well, I certainly enjoyed the colors in that. I thought it was. And you're right that that kind of an ethereal glow behind what was like a Capitol building or just a tall building there in the background. Yeah, that was a Capitol building. Yep, that's a Capitol building. That's the tallest uh, little piece of trivia for you. It's the tallest Capitol building <laughs> in the United States. It was taller than the White House until the White House found out about it <laughs> and added some more. And stuff they had to get taller on top of it. To make it taller. They added stuff on top of the White House to make it taller in the Wisconsin Capitol, which was the tallest uh, Capitol building in the country. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Anthony, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. I want to thank you for stopping by and joining us here on An Artist Speaks. It's been an honor, Michael. Thank you so much. And also, I want to thank our listeners for being with us today. And again, to view Anthony Dalman Jones' stunning art, to listen to this interview, and of course, purchase some of Anthony's art, visit us at Contemporary Art Gallery online. I want to let all the artists listening in today know that Contemporary Art Gallery online hosts a monthly art competition and exhibition. To enter your art, just click on the art competition tab and then follow the prompts. And while you're there, you can check out all of our upcoming competitions and exhibitions. And if you're an architect, an interior designer, or just a lover of art who likes to have interesting and beautiful art adorning your walls, then visit us at Contemporary Art Gallery Online and view some of the most exciting original art that you just can't find anywhere else. And while visiting our gallery, we would love for you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog. So please sign up so you can keep up with all that is happening at the gallery. And Artist Speaks airs every other Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, so we'll meet again in two weeks. Again, thank you for joining us today, and have a great rest of your weekend.